So we're in the midst of a sermon series called Transparency Matters. And it was brought to my attention that sometimes people don't really think of what I'm talking about as transparency, and that's okay. In fact, yesterday we talked about the word sincerity. If you see um, this more as sincerity matters, that's fine. You know, that's a word also because a lot of these things are what it means to be sincere in our Christian walk. But we need to also make sure we take a step to be transparent in our sincerity so that people can see our transparency and see our heart, the heart that God has called us to. Today in Ephesians chapter 4, if you would turn in your scriptures to Ephesians chapter 4, we're going to be looking at verses 17 to 19. And as I was originally looking at this entire chapter and breaking it out for messages, I saw this as a way of correction. Loving correction matters because our life is a heart issue. And that's what we're going to see in verses 17 to 19 is the heart issue. This message today is going to help us to understand how our natural heart is hardened. You probably have heard that term before, a hard heart. And we're going to look at what the results of a hard heart is. And we're going to learn that really the loving correction can only come through faith alone, in Christ alone, for salvation. So there's going to be four points, and I'd like to tell you what the four points are first before I read the scriptures, see if you can pull them out as I read through it. First one is, living by works does not work. The second point is going to be how a heart is hardened. You'll see that in the scripture. The third point is the results of the hardened heart. And then the fourth point is loving correction is needed. So let's turn to Ephesians chapter 4 verses 17 through 19. And I typically tell you what page in the Pew Bibles, and it's on page 1,821. And uh, I don't know if anybody appreciates those numbers or not, but I learned just a couple weeks ago when I came in here to prepare, I just happened to notice that the Bibles in the pews were different than the one I was using up here. So the page number wasn't right. Let me know when that happens. But this one, I believe, are the ones that you find in the pews. So page 1,821. Chapter 4, starting at verse 17. So I tell you this, and insist on it in the Lord, that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do, in the futility of their thinking. They are darkened darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity with a continual lust for more. I like to finish my reading a lot of times. God bless the hearers and doers of his word. 
but I don't want you to be a doer of what we just read. I don't want your heart to be hardened. I don't want you to be moving in all lustful ways. But that's why we need to look at it. How does that happen? So the first point that I said we were going to cover is living by works just does not work. And we see that in verse 17. He basically is telling us in verse 17, quit trying to live by works. Quit trying to figure everything out in your mind. This is futile. The word often uh, in the Greek is Gnosticism, and, and we use that word a lot to explain it. But really what it is, is it's just trying to prove everything in your mind, just trying to think it out and figure it all out in your mind. And, and in our scripture here, it's saying, quit trying to do that. No one can fully comprehend and describe all the mysteries of God. You just can't do it. Our soul, it, before we know who God is, our soul is a vacuum. Before we believe in Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, our soul is just a vacuum. It's, it's empty before Christ. Whatever we try to put into our soul, through our own knowledge, it just has no effect on anything just by talking about it and trying to figure it out. Whatever comes in to our soul that's in a vacuum, it dies. It dies due to the lack of spiritual oxygen. So if you think about our soul as a vacuum, let's go back to science. And in science, a vacuum is described like this. A space in which there is no matter or in which the pressure is so low that any particles in the space do not affect any processes being carried on there. So scientists a lot of times will like to do tests in a vacuum because they want to have something that has no effect on what their test is. This is the state of our soul prior to our faith. A vacuum. Prior to our acceptance, of being fully justified because of the work of Jesus Christ on the cross. Not by anything we figured out, not by anything we can do. But through the omnipotent power of God, He comes to us as the Holy Spirit. It's the only thing that can have a positive effect on our soul before we accept Jesus Christ. He's the only thing that can have a positive effect on our soul when we have a vacuum. So the Holy Spirit ministers to all people who take God's word in by reading it or by listening to preaching or teaching about it. And the Holy Spirit ministers to that person and helps that person understand. It, it makes no sense to the person without Jesus, without the ministry work of the Holy Spirit. So first, the Holy Spirit convicts the unbeliever of their sin. You just can't do that by thinking through who God is. But the Holy Spirit convicts the person of their sin and their need for Jesus. Unbelievers have no access to God 
except through Jesus Christ, just like believers. Therefore, it's the job of the Holy Spirit to show them their need to receive Jesus as their Savior. It's only by the grace of God that any of us, that any of us could begin to understand all that he did for our salvation. It's at that point that each person then has a decision to make. After the Holy Spirit has ministered to them and made God's word clear that they need to repent and who Jesus is, that they need to accept him, each person then has a decision to make. Eternal life with Christ or eternal damnation without Christ. And so people choose. Faith alone, in Christ alone, is salvation. It's not by works. Let me just read to you earlier. Um, Paul is the one that wrote this letter to the, to the church in Ephesus. And he wrote this earlier in chapter 2, starting at verse 8. He said, For it is by grace you have been saved, through faith. And this not from yourselves, it is the gift of God. Not by works, so that no one can boast. Living by works does not work. Our works and natural understanding are just futile. So why does this happen? It, it happens because of the hardened heart. That's our next point, how a heart is hardened. And we see in verse 18 how this happens, that it's just futile to try to figure out God's plan before believing by faith that he is who he says he is. Before coming to faith in Jesus, we are separated from the life of God. We are separated from the kingdom of God. Our understanding is said to be darkened. We're living in a dark world without the light of Christ. Before coming to faith in Jesus, we have a lack of capacity for God. Our hearts are said to be hardened, and some hearts are hardened more than others. Well, how does that happen? Hardening of the heart means that we have built up scar tissue on our soul. Scar tissue is built up. In biological terms, scar tissue is referred to a thick, fibrous tissue layer to take the place of the healthy layer that has been damaged. This happens when we cut ourselves or we otherwise cause injury. The healthy tissue is replaced with scar tissue that's hard, Sin is a type of an injury to our soul. Sin causes damage. And the more we sin, the more scar tissue is built up on our soul. Scar tissue is much harder than the original layer of skin or our soul. So scar tissue makes us lose our sensitivities. The feeling is gone. The soul or the heart, then, is said to be hardened with scar tissue. And what are the results? 
of the hardened heart. That's the third point. Verse 19, it tells us that we lose all sensitivity. Have you had a scar like that? It gets hard and you touch it and you really can't even feel the touch. Here in Scripture, it's talking about losing all sensitivity for purity or for righteousness, for truth, and for goodness. A person is driven to find something that they can control, something that they can feel. It's not good to feel numb all the time. So they indulge in every kind of impurity. They seek to break through that scar tissue on their soul. They think, at least if the sin is bad enough, it can be felt. It's really not that much different than physical hurting of oneself where people will cut themselves just so they can feel something. It's their thought process that they begin to think, I want to feel something. If it's not a good feeling, at least it's felt. And it's something that the person convinces themselves that they have control of. It's a very vicious cycle. It causes more and more scar tissue, which in turn, in the, in the soul, in that vacuum, leads to lust for more painful acts until a person's heart is so hard that there's just a continual lust for more is the way the scripture describes it. And guess what? There's an evil one that's there ready to feed that lust for more and more. This is the result of a hardened heart. So what can be done about it? Point four, loving correction is needed. I think what we really need to do is go back to the top of verse 17. And look at that first word. It seems like this keeps happening, doesn't it? Every time I preach it, we need to go back to that first word. So. He says, so I tell you this. So, our scripture says. He's like saying, did you listen to the rest of chapter 4 that I've been talking about? I've been showing you about how transparency matters in unity, in gift-based ministry, in spiritual leadership, and in love. And now we get to this verse, and he says, So I insist in the Lord. Stop! So I insist in the Lord. Stop living like someone that does not believe. That's what happens when you start to live, as he said here, like the Gentiles, who he was speaking to. He was talking about the heathens, the people that didn't know Christ. Stop living that way. You know better than that. Next week, we're going to be looking at, at he's going to continue on talking here about, you were brought up in the church. <laughs> you know better than that. So we're going to look at accountability in the church because of what we know and how we were brought up. He's saying quit living like those 
that know, don't know Christ. Quit living like you've got a vacuum in your soul. Quit sinning and causing more hardening of your heart. I really see this as a call of, for loving correction. If we are going to be transparent with one another, we should expect and we should actually hope that we receive loving correction especially when we allow our hearts to be so hardened that we can't see for ourselves that we're in a continual spiritual tailspin of pain and darkness. We need something, something that will soften our heart. And God is all about loving correction. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. How do we lovingly correct one who has accepted Christ but totally turned their back on Christ and is walking the other way? Or how do we lovingly correct one who has never accepted Christ but is open to who we are, maybe, who we stand for. They notice something a little different in us. Both of these people need loving correction. Both need an anointed friend. Friends, you are anointed when Jesus Christ is Lord of your life. Christ means the anointed one. You have him with you, walking with you each and every moment of your life. They need an anointed friend, the people that are in this tailspin or in the darkness. They need to see that we care and that we want to share with them. And then you need to be ready because they're probably going to ask you, why are you different? Scripture tells us always be ready to share that good news. And that good news is really your testimony. How did you come to Christ? Did he forgive you and save you from the darkness? Be ready to share that with someone else. My story and your own story can be just as compelling as any other's. Our story can be the most powerful tool that we can demonstrate the love of Jesus and show them how he changes lives. Share life and share the ministry of God's Holy Spirit. Share the story of Jesus in your life. Prop up that person that's living in darkness and walk with that person who stumbles because loving correction is needed. We need to let people know that we care because Jesus cares for us. And we need to let them know that it's faith alone in Christ alone for us to receive salvation. I want to just say a quick prayer right now. I'm not calling the worship team up here. I want to talk some more about yesterday, but let's just go to our Lord in prayer. Father God, this scripture, 
lesson is kind of difficult. It's hard to think that we could possibly sin so bad that it's hard for anybody to break through. But Lord, we've all been there. And we thank you for softening our hearts, for allowing us to see the love that you've sent to us through your son, Jesus Christ. Help us to share this with others. Help us to be your church. Help us to be your children and share your love and your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen.